Welcome back, scribes and scribblers, for another year of Tales from the Script Keepers. That's right, you're back with the Nib Section, official podcast of Fountain Pens Oceania. We're back after a short trip to the Inkwell. We have uh, returned at full capacity. It's going to be back in uh, 2019. We have resumed broadcasting from our lovely, generous benefactor's apartment where I am sitting on a tarp in a transparent bubble uh, to prevent my staining of the upholstery. Uh, Welcome back to said benefactor. I don't want no stubs herself. Uh, Sharon Zah. Welcome, Sharon. Thank you. Fearless leader, Diana Dai, um, back at the helm um, and stepping in. Welcome back, Dai. Welcome back to 2019. Good to see you. Uh, and the always uh, triple broad, Tav Sin, back with us. Hasn't been back for a few episodes, actually. It's been a while, actually. A very, very long time. Hasn't been... It's been more than six months, it feels like. Yeah, yeah. It's good to have uh, Good to have some more low end. It's fantastic to be back. Well, uh, let's, let's have you start us off, Tav. Uh, what are you writing with today? I am writing with a modified Noodler's Neponset fountain pen Okay. that I had modified by a man named Les Shealy from Stylo Suite in America. And um, I'm sure a lot of the listeners will find this amusing, but he modified it for extra flex. So it's an extremely flexible music nib. Wait, don't the Neponset music nibs flex to begin with? They are a little bit flexible. They, they are, yeah, they are, they are soft-ish. Yeah, you, you're going to get carpal tunnel if you try and flex them a lot. You, yeah, you, yeah. You, you, you'll get a very sore hand if you use them a lot. But this one has been modified with a bunch of cutouts and, and such. But not only is it a, a flexible nib, it's also a relatively broad stub now as well. So it's quite enjoyable I use it rel- regularly unflexed, yep. um, but when it's flexed, it's um, it just dumps ink onto the page at a rate I've never seen before because it's just so broad. The Nippon set's a one-tine or a two-tine? Well, it was three-tine. Oh, sorry, it's sorry, three-tine. Two slits, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a two-slit music nib, um, a steel nib. With flex. With yeah. flex. I'm curious about the history of this. Given your, um, let's say... Uh, love for flex nibs. Yes, love. Yes. <laughs> Suspicion of uh, ready-made flex nibs. Did you ask him to put the extra flex modification on or did you get it like that? Well, I actually quite like Noodlers and a lot of the other modern flex nibs because they are still manufactured. They're, they're relatively cheap and they're steel. So it's not like if someone breaks one of these nibs... You know, if they're great for beginners. This particular one was quite expensive because it was modified. But if you buy a Noodler's pen, it's maybe, I don't know how much they're going for now, $60. And you can get replacement nibs quite easily for very, very cheap. So they're good for people who've... Don't know what they're doing. Yeah, who've not used... Well, who've not used them before. And that's the thing, because I have... When I was very new to fountain pens, I overdid it on a flex nib and I ended up with a small crack on the side. Now, it still works to this day, but... Had I kept going and not realized there was a crack there, I could have snapped the nib in half or something like that or could have splayed the tines. So that's my sort of uh, hesitance towards using, the, you know, just anyone and everyone trying to get as much flex out of any nib as possible. But I do like modern steel flex nibs because they're readily obtainable and replaceable. And so I do quite like Noodler's for that reason. Yeah, the Noodler's one is also, I think, a number six, which is where a lot of companies try to, 
I mean, if you end up not liking that, there's a lot of options for you to slide yeah, into you, that. You can put other nibs in there as well. If you really don't like the music nib, you can put a Yovo nib in there as well. It, it's not as snug a fit because this particular music nib's a bit, it's, I think it's slightly larger mm-hmm. than number six, like, like 6.1 or something like that. But it, you can fit uh, a number six nib in there. So yeah, it, it's, it's a really interesting pen. It's, uh, it's not for the faint-hearted though. It puts a lot of ink down and I've got it inked with Pelican Blue Black because that's the only ink I've found that doesn't feather on cheap paper, which is what my work uses. So, yeah. Could you um, say the name of the Nibmeister again? Just for the record. Um, Les Sheely. Les Sheely. Okay. Yeah. All right. Sharon, what are you writing with today? Well, it's actually no longer inked, but all of last week I was using a Mont Blanc, a Rouge Noir in the black finish. Um, and I, I've had this pen for a while, actually. And I ha- had a, originally had a medium nib on it, which I hated. I hated the medium nib. It was scratchy. It didn't work out of the box. And then um, I took it into Mont Blanc and got the nib replaced to an extra fine, um, which is the way that I like them. And since I got the replacement nib, it's been an absolutely fantastic writer. It's a really nice size for my hand and I like the slimness of it. Um, Piston filler and, yeah, all of last week I had it inked with the UNICEF turquoise, actually. And this is the the two-tone snakehead nib? Right. It is a single tone, single tone? Uh, snake head. I do have the two tone one as well, but um, I think that's the coral, the red finish. That's the two tone. That has the two tone nib. I really quite like the the nib on this. Um, I think snake snake iconography is uh, easy to do wrong, but I don't think they've done that here. I think it's a really nice, um, a really nice design. I think that the the Rouge et Noir is is one of the most elegant pens that Mont Blanc has ever put out. Both the uh, both the vintage and the and the and the modern one, beautiful to hold in the hand. And uh, like one of my sort of dream pens is the Ebonite version of it. And they they screw in at the top of the section. Yeah, it's yeah. It's, a, it's a it's really really well designed pen. It's got great tolerances. Mm. It's very high quality. And if and you know if if you do get a dud nib as uh, Sharon did you can just get it replaced and they'll get you a really good one. So I actually have all three of the snake clip Rouge Noirs um, in the standard range. So the red, the tropic brown, so the coral, the tropic brown and the black. I have an oblique double broad on my coral, actually. Hello. <laughs> yeah, I thought that one might be more towards your um, cup of tea. I've got the right demographic for, <laughs> for that mention today. I am writing today with uh, an Aurora Minerali. Uh, in the amber, uh, with a BB18K stub, and uh, it's filled with P.W. Ackerman, uh, Gele Ocker van Franz, if I'm if I'm remembering, <laughs> G-O-V-F, yeah. Dutch I, speakers, <laughs> let us know um, how to Annabelle, pronounce it. I'm sorry. Uh, can I just see the spelling of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll write it out. Um, I'll pronounce it if you can show me the spelling. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll find it somewhere. It's a pretty great... A demonstrator. Um, I do. I do love a demo, and I think this ink pairs really well with the amber uh, minerali finish. Yeah, if you're gonna get a demonstrator with orangey yellow ends, you better put orange ink in it. Right? Yeah, yeah. I do. I, I saw uh, someone on Instagram recently uh, fill it with the Aurora Black, which I think goes really well with it as well. But um, you know, I'm I'm really leaning into this. Uh, 
believe Tav is looking up the this. Uh, just trying to find the spelling of that. It's nice to have, you know, the head, the bottom, and the in-between all match. People have mentioned that it kind of looks like they were just trying to use the rest of their uh, sole rod, which, I mean, that might be the case, but it... Uh, Nothing wrong with that. It's a very well thought out finish. Are we there, Tev? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's Gele Ocker van Frans. There we go. Exactly what Chuck said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't hear a difference, but... None at all. There was, yeah, yeah, your Dutch is yeah. flawless. I will rewind and play flawless. the way you yeah, pronounced absolutely. it, followed by <laughs> tabs. Gele Ocker van Frans. It's Gele Ocker van Frans. Um, and Di, what are you writing with today? Okay, um, knowing that Tab would be here at the recording today, I brought my one and only pen purchase from last year's Melbourne Pen Show, a vintage Parker 75 in the Sterling Cicel finish, I believe it's called. Um, this has the, uh, I, don't, I don't know if it's a fine or a medium nib, it's, it's not marked, but it's got the distinctive adjustable section. I guess is what you call it, where um, because the grip is actually triangular shaped, like on a safari, uh, the way they get around people's different grips on the section is to have a section that you can sort of twist around so you can adjust the angle at which you hold it. Um, So it fits all grips, which I think is really nice. Um, So people who like the triangular grip but find that – at certain angles, you know, the nib and the triangular grip doesn't line up. On this, you can fix it to your own liking. And um, the finish is just really lovely. It's so, it's in such well-maintained uh, condition. Uh, the nib is really, really smooth and wet. But the problem is it's a little bit um, hard starting. So I think there's a tiny bit of um, a baby's bottom on it, which I'm hoping to have well, out of the goodness of his heart, <laughs> fix yeah. for me. Yeah. It's got a nice snap to yeah. the cap as well. I love the, the feel amazing. of it. Here you go. That's what can it I, sounds like. Can I have a try? Can yeah. I have a try here? Nib section ASMR edition. I'm going to put this one on my... Okay, it reminds me of the ST Dupont caps. They're, they're beautiful. It sort of slides a bit and then just snaps on. Yeah, there's it's, some tension there. There's some really nice... Yeah. It's a little great. bit sharper than the ST Dupont sort of sound, I think, but... It's gorgeous. It is sharper than Tactile the... Tactile is really smoother, good as well. Yeah. yeah. There we go. Okay, well... <laughs> as we're, we're starting the year off, you know, we, we always come into a new year with some anticipation, a little bit of planning, um, a little bit of hoping and some forward thinking. So um, let's let's have a little chat about some things we're looking forward to this year, pen-wise. Um, yeah, we, we got in our first episode of the year a little bit late because we're recording this on the back end of January. When are to we be planning reco- to release this one? Um, the 1st of Feb. 1st of Feb. So that gives me time to edit. A bit, a bit. <laughs> um, so... By this stage, we'll we'll have read everyone's, you know, um, resolutions or their uh, wish lists for the year and everything. So this is our reaction to it. And I guess um, things that we're hoping to see in the year ahead. And yeah, just I'll take a little kind of an optimistic start to the year, hopefully. (laughs) Yep, yep. And I think first and foremost on everyone's mind because you can't go to any news outlet without reading about it is um, sparking joy. (laughs) Sparking joy. I will admit I binge watched 
all episodes of Tidying Up with Marie Kondo. Uh, one late night, my um, my dog had a really bad case of the runs and a very bad tummy bug this week. So I got very little sleep and I binge watched a lot of Netflix. I wasn't the only one who actually commented on um, a streamlining collections and decluttering. It's been a goal between one of us, um, uh, one of the group here, to for over a year, I think, um, to pair down collections or to at least have a bit more of a defined focus. Um, and so for myself personally, and I'll say it here and I'll kick myself at the end of the year, I am hoping to get to less than 100 pens. Now, the rate that I'm running at at the moment, oh, I, don't, I don't know, it's going to be a challenge. Are you comfortable disclosing how far away you are from that? I am currently at 149 in my possession with six not in my possession and two on the way. Right. Two on the way. <laughs> so we're at, we're at like a 50% over. A bit more space. than 50% over, not including any steel nibs. Sure, sure. Oh, goodness. But do you have any um, like themes or principles that you'll try to follow? Because I know when you were trying to declutter your ink collection and streamline that, you were saying like no niche brands, no um, boutique, you, boutique inks. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yes. So it's hard to do that with pens, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am going by the sparking joy theory. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, um, there are some pens that uh, carry with them some really strong memories because of when I got them, what were the circumstances around which I got them. And there are others that I got just because I had an impulsive moment where I went, oh my gosh, I've got to have that, otherwise the world's going to collapse. Um, so not really. I'm. If I have a look at the stats across um, my personal collection, I'd say about half of my pens are Japanese, um, about 30% are German, and the remainder are a bit of a a mishmash. So I think probably a Japanese and German theme would be um, an easy avenue to go down towards, but... um, I, I I'll wait and see. <laughs> you'd have to you'd have to look at your Mont Blanc for. for it's German. It fits within the theme. <laughs> Being someone who was on the other, like where you are, about a year and a half ago, and who went under her one hundred pen um, target. Rub it in, why don't you? <laughs> I'm now at the stage where, having hit my target. Um, I'm much more selective or forcing myself to be much more selective when I make new acquisitions. So I'd be curious if, if when you get under 100, um, whether you'll stick to the whole Italian um, and Japanese theme in, German, in terms of your, sorry, German and, um, and Japanese theme when it comes to new acquisitions. I've been very selective with acquisitions uh, since last year when I tried to, I think we both tried at the same time to get under 100. Mm-hmm. Um, only I started off at 200 yeah. and something. <laughs> I was at 130 something. Yeah. And so you did very well. I did not do very well. But I've been very um, selective in what I choose to buy. I, I like to feel in hand the pen before I buy it. And I go more towards tried and tested brands um, and models that I know I enjoy rather than going, oh, that's pretty. I, I want that. Um, so one of the things that uh, even using the Mont Blanc Rouge Noir last week really brought out in me is that I really like a brass body that has lacquer on top. For me, that's a 
really good weight. It's a very comfortable pen. It's a comfortable feeling. And a lot of my favorite models uh, follow this particular vein. So your Dupont, um, the Dupont Olympio, which I absolutely adore, uh, the Mont Blanc, um, the Namiki Yukari, which is probably my favorite model of all time. They all have a brass body with uh, some type of lacquer on top. And for me, that's, yeah. That's an interesting avenue to follow as well for, for your, um, your paring down de- decluttering aim. That means all my Nakayas have to go. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's still lacquer over a body. <laughs> I'm sure you can make a concession for Ebonite. Um, what, what about you, Tev? Uh, what's, what's your, uh, do, do you have an idea about the, any decluttering or uh, any collection management? Well, um, for my birthday last year, my dad got me a couple of hundred pen cases uh were they 100 or 50 a i don't know a couple of how many pens does he think you have um that's the thing they they think i have several hundred it's it's the classic sort of parental exaggeration they see you've got a handful of pens on your desk and they're like oh my gosh you have hundreds of pens i think he's got about 300 pens and they say that dead in you know with a dead serious look on their face and they don't realize that I don't actually have hundreds of pens. I don't actually think I have over a hundred pens. I have a collection, a significant collection, but I don't think I have more than a hundred. Or if I do numerically, many of them would be like Jin Hao's or something that I got in the early days of my collection that I just haven't given away, but they're just sort of rusted and they're probably not really worth using. I just need to... One of those situations where the parents are like, oh, you like music? Here's a spatula shaped like a guitar. Well, no. Oh, gosh. Um, Well... No, I don't think so. I, I, I genuinely appreciate the, the gift, 100%, because what I'd like to do is because is, is that I don't have a good storage solution for my pens other than... You can give me box. one of your 100 pen cases if you like. I don't actually know if there are 100. I think there were 50, 50 cases. I, 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 what I'd like to do still is nice. actually see... Uh, I'm, cl- I'm currently cleaning one by one the pens that I have and I'm just storing them in these cases and I'm going to be... Like then I can actually count how many I've got. So the gift is actually um, prompting you to be more organised about your pens, which is a great gift. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have, I have a like my. (laughs) Sorry, Sebastian interlude. (laughs) (laughs) He's found Mr. Lammy. He's amusing himself. Squeaky toy in the background. Um, I've, I've, I've had sort of a well, not sort of. I I, definitely I've had an organised chaos method of keeping my pens. I know where everything is. It's just chaos. So now it's going to be all kept in one case. I'm going to be cleaning them and I will be getting rid of as many that I can. Um, It is a little difficult sometimes to sell them because a lot of the pens that I own are a bit unusual. So um, many people might not have heard of them. Like there might be a vintage Caveco or something like that. That's not that, you know, well known or it might be, you know, for example, like a vintage Schaefer that's got a really like rock hard nib that doesn't have any flex. So like, oh, it's a vintage pen. It doesn't have a flex nib. So, um, And do you buy, did you buy them originally for the unusual factor? Uh, well, usually I will buy something because it's, it is very striking or because it's unusual. Some of my other pens I bought because there was a, a novelty about it maybe, or just, I thought it was a good price. And I sort of had a gold nib and this was early in my sort of pen acquiring career, if you could call it that. But now when I buy a pen and I've pretty much resolved it, if I buy a pen, it's very carefully considered. 
I've been umming and ahhing about a whole bunch of pens. Even a, there's there's been a Coveco that's 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 caught my eye recently. The the seventies student, the vintage seventies student. It's just a it's a, a nice looking orange and white old style looking pen. It's pretty classic looking model, but I have been really carefully considering that, and I'm not entirely sure if I want to get that. Just because it's another pen, you know, like maybe yeah. cut down before you get. That's more. what I'm thinking. Like I haven't. Th- there've been so many pens I've almost got, but I'm like, no, I'd, I'd, I'd better get rid of the stuff that I don't use before I get something that I do use because there's plenty of pens I already do use. So I haven't, unlike Sharon, I haven't actually watched um, cleaning, cleaning up, tidying up with Marie Kondo. Free plug. Thank you, Netflix. Oh, I should have said Sponsor. hi to your house when I got in. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you need to uh, – was it kneel in the centre of my house where you feel the most positive energy mm. and greet it? Yeah. So I haven't watched it, but I have um, read a couple of thought p- think pieces on it. And what I think what she suggests is, like, spread everything out first. So, you're, Tav, you really, really are following her method to, yep. without Tidy really knowing categories. it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. Tidy by categories. You're meant to lump yep. everything together. Yep. Touch them one at a time and see if it makes your cells rise. Right, exactly. Give you a bing, bing. like you make a huge mess because you you, you bring everything out into the open. Um, it overwhelms you with how much and the sheer volume of what you have, and then you go, "Oh you my back. god, I deserve to be on an episode of Hoarders." What the hell do I do? I need to get rid of my entire wardrobe. Then six months later, you go, oh, I really miss that jumper that I tossed out because it didn't spark joy since it was in the middle of summer when I did my whole KonMari method. I did this two years ago. <laughs> I think many of us in FPO could be on an episode of Hoarders just because like, or on My Strange Addiction or something like that. They're like, oh, I'm addicted to fountain pens. And most people would think that's a bit You weird. haven't seen my stationery closet, have you? <laughs> And you're not welcome to see it. I've I've seen I've seen some some stationary rooms, and it gets it gets pretty crazy. I I think that it's a, an interesting introduction to streamlining your life if you've never attempted it. I know when it when it came out, um, and we were planning this episode, Di said to the group that I pretty much already do this. Uh, You're the first person I thought of when I when I saw it. Yeah, but it's because I've moved so frequently that I, I you know it's it's like a it's like a De Niro and Heat situation thing, you know. Like you live all of your life following the principle of if there was a fire, what would I carry with me? It's the up in the air. I don't think so. Severe. Oh yeah, up in the air. So what's in my backpack? Spiel. Yeah. I don't think so severe, but um, definitely, I, I just don't want to ever get the sense that I'm getting in my own way. So a lot of the time I've gotten rid of things that I still like, but I think other things serve the purpose of. And I remedy that by kind of passing it around to people in my life. So it kind of tangentially is in my life and I still get to look at it. But yeah. <laughs> it's still in your like yeah, sphere of in my radius <laughs> and in my awareness. But um very recently, I sold off a sailor uh, that I was very excited about. I'm still shocked that you sold it. Yeah. So yeah, so yeah. Is the sunset I'm sure um, I'll have thoughts about tequila it. sunrise? I, yeah, that's the one. I believe uh, Tav. I believe Angela has one of those. She's, as well. she's got one of those as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. she does. It is. And a, I was I was a, a hair's breadth away from having one myself as they're well. They're great. 
but they don't come in a broad nib. So yeah, no. yeah, yeah. I mean, I could have just swapped one. You could have, you could have. But I was like, it's a lot of steps. I had, I that's the thing. I had the, those thoughts like, would I just? I have a bunch of sailors. What's going to be the difference? Oh, it's going to be a nice color. But am I going to use it any more than I use my other sailors? Probably not. Yeah, and one in, one out. Yeah, well, yeah like Chuck does. An acquisition yeah. and sampling phase is like is great with it with any hobby. Um, I mean, I'm I, at some point this year, I'm definitely going to hit ten, which is my hard limit. And I've thought a lot about the pens that are in the collection at the moment, and pro- like probably around the the middle of the year, let's check in with me. But I think I'll be hitting. I'll hit nine around May. And after that point, it's really a question of how long my self-control holds out. But I think once I hit 10, if I sit on that same exact roster for like six months, maybe. Um, Sebastian um, being on the podcast. He's getting very excited to hear you hit 10. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think if I sit on the same roster for like six months with no nothing in, nothing out, um, that could be an opportunity for me to go, hey, maybe I can free up some more space or reconsider stuff that's there. But yeah, I, I, I think 10 is a good limit for, for me. Like we can, we can have like a party to celebrate your 10th pen and be like one of us. You're now double pen digits. hoarder. Double yeah, digits. double digits. I have a very relaxed view of what that 10 is in that I have two designated work pens that I don't count. Yeah, when I saw oh, that, okay. I was like, you cheater. <laughs> You're already at 10. That's very I mean, relaxed view. I, 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 on the one hand, yes, I agree. On the other hand, yes, that is cheating. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm at nine if, if we're including those. But yeah. So, it, you know, that's in terms of uh, pairing down. But what are we looking forward to actually arriving to to meeting us this year um i know that uh we're we're probably we pay attention a lot um to rumors and releases and um it has been a little bit of time away uh since we've talked releases yeah um mainly because nothing's like super exciting i feel like this year 2019 is the sailor centenary Platinum. Platinum. I'm sorry. This year, 2019, is the Platinum Centennial. And what I've seen so far of the announcements of what they're coming out with this year is a Platinum Platinum. So one of their... Or a silver one. You can get a sterling silver There's one. a sterling silver? Okay. Yep. The Platinum one's more expensive. Ten correct? Times the price. <laughs> Add an extra zero at the end. That's the Platinum one. Yeah. So it's very um, in keeping with what Platinum does. But... None of it is particularly um, in my, you know, realm of what I collect. So it's, it's also the Aurora Centennial. Uh, is it? Year, but, I believe. But they haven't really announced anything. Um, yeah, it is. So it is the Aurora Centennial. Um, I, I do have a couple of things I'm looking forward to already. I have a Nakaya in the works, uh, which uh, Sharon probably knows the most about as well. I have... Uh, Put in an order for the Seven Gods Pilot Ink set, uh, which I will be having some fun with. Oh, that's from Pilot Centenary last year. Yeah, yeah. The little 15 mil bottles. I put in an order for the whole set instead of uh, in the 15s instead of the 50s. Um, There's an interesting limited edition that uh, Sharon should be able to grab me in Japan in February, but I'll talk more about that uh, if and when it arrives. 
oh no, I'll announce it when I actually get it, yeah, 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 and yeah. I'll do a full review of it. Yeah, before it gets to before me. it gets to Chuck, <laughs> so that when Chuck gets it, all you can hear is oh. <laughs> oh, I, I think I'm going to need some insider info on that. That sounds very exciting. Oh, it's a uh... 50-50. It's yellow. It's a yellow pen. Yeah, yeah. Oh, actually, I think I have heard whispers of this. Yeah, I, I believe ah. I, I, I believe I showed you a little bit. Yeah, I think I know the one you're talking about. If, but, as soon as you mentioned yellow, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We we know what we're we've got with me. Um, but I'm I'm kind of hoping my 2019, for the most part, is very similar to Melissa's 2018 in that I hope everything that comes out tickles everybody else's fancy but maybe mine a little less because i'm trying to stay trying to hit 10 and just sit there what about you sharon so i have an absolute hit list of what i'm hoping 2019 brings and this is not just for me um or my collection or my uh, personal acquisitions this is just uh in general so i have a list here which goes 2019 hopes I hope companies this year will focus on QC rather than design elements. Please, please, please give me more pens that work straight out of a box, right? So that's my number one. I think uh, companies in 2018 did a lot of great things in terms of innovation on uh, filling systems, on nib, lots of nib work in 2018, if I think back to what happened in 2018. And... Um, a lot of really interesting models came out, um, you know, revive, revival, probably not the right word, but um, an increased focus on flex, um, but heaps of innovation in the nib space. What I think that was all lacking, though, was consistency and a guarantee that the nibs would work or the pens would work as promised. And so I found my 2018 very Japanese focused and I'm relatively Japanese focused in terms of my collecting anyway, but uh, it was more Japanese focused in 2018 because I knew those pens would work straight out of a box. Um, I'm not jumping up and down going, oh my gosh, I must have the platinum um, centenary pen. However, I don't hate it as much as everyone else seems to hate it. Uh, I actually I don't think, hate it. It's just kind of boring. Well, I think it's quite an elegant design. I'm not into metal pens as a starting point, but um, I think it's quite an elegant design, especially the platinum version. I think it's a very elegant design. I think it'll be very heavy and I hate the price tag. What is the price tag again? 11 or 14,000 US. Yeah. I think when, we, when we're talking about the line between elegant and boring is where you see people's tastes swing wildly. Uh, the line between elegant and boring, because interesting is often a lot of things, but mm. when people think elegant, it's often very pared down and it can be uninspiring for a lot of people. Um, and that's an interesting one with the platinum that you're bringing yeah. up. So, but, but you know that that platinum will work out of the box. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, well, <laughs> well. I mean, the nib manufacturer would be the same. I, just, I yeah. assume. And I, I hate to say it, I, I, having worked in the pen industry, you get pens that are worth ten to fifteen thousand dollars, and the nibs that are put on them can be the same. Well, they've come out of the same nib, nib manufacturer as um, as as that would one that would go on a pen that's one thousand dollars. And they have warranty issues. And what I think the rationale behind that is that, you know, not many people who buy a $15,000 pen 
will use it. A lot of that they'll put it on the mantelpiece and they're like, look at this, I'm rich enough to buy a $15,000 fountain pen. I think it's, it's an interesting one for me. Anytime I hear about like slip seal, slip and seal caps, they're always like, oh, this will write perfectly even if you leave it in and only write twice a year. It, it does. does. I, I, know, I, know, I, know, I know it does, but it my, my thing is like, why am I only writing twice a year? Is my thing, but well, if you have a collection like mine and you want to use every single pen <laughs> in a year, you will only no, get to write with it <laughs> twice a year. I think it's sort of like you know to demonstrate just how good it is at preventing nib dry out. You know, because I've got pens that'll dry out in a, in a week, sort yep. of thing. Yeah, and platinum, to their credit, are pretty good at not drying out. And sailors, even though it's not that slip lock system, they're yeah, they they really they keep do have an interesting wet. cap like the the there is some added friction at the end there's like a, a an odd sensation but yeah apparently they have a, a similar kind of cap yeah i'm not but surprised it's not part of the the marketing i think on no. it yeah i believe actually some viscontis actually have it as well i've noticed get out <laughs> actually and and i think that may have even been part of the some of the issues you've had with visconti caps sharon's i mean your pen is definitely the seal part is <laughs> it's, the, it's sealed yeah. yeah that's what i mean i think that was actually what got stuck <laughs> it's the the bit that's designed to seal to seal yeah, the nib. Yeah, yeah. it sealed it just that little bit too well and now well the nib sealed forever in a tomb yeah. yep that's that's your um that's your uh what's what's the word that's your time capsule nib it's like a sarcophagus. We'll see how. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just nib, like a nib historians will find a nib from the distant past locked in its celluloid sarcophagus. Yeah, just a little uh, canopic jar. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, um, I've been in, in the new year and around Christmas. Um, there's been a lot of new release um, information and I've been getting a lot of emails from retailers about what's what's coming in the pipeline. And so you have the Pelican, I think, M1005, the Strassmann, um, which is just the same stripy grey finish but in a larger body. Um, you have new colours of the platinum 3776 coming out you have new colors in this sailor king of pens and new safaris what i'm not really seeing is a lot of innovation just anything that's totally okay we had all the innovation we could stomach last year but not in terms of no bodies or anything um was there Oh, I guess we had um, the Opus 88s. You, you, got, you got something to say there too? Well, actually, I, I think it kind of went under the radar. Was, I mean, as much as I don't like modern revivals of vintage brands by modern companies that have nothing to do with the original company, Estabrook has been revived and they've started making pens that have an attachment to allow them to take vintage Estabrook nibs but still accept cartridge converters as well. Have so you tried them? I haven't tried them, but they take a number six nib. So they, they look like a pretty, I mean, some, some of their colors are kind of pretty. Um, I've seen them a lot advertised on Goulet, but there's another, like a, an attachment that goes inside the section, I think. And it allows both the number six nib, um, the Yovo nib to be screwed in, but also it allows the old Estabrook interchangeable screw in nib units to be put there as well which is quite interesting and i think that's quite innovative as well 
considering they're the only sort of revived vintage brand that has a link to their original history, you know, Conklin and all of that, they've, they've, they've not, they're as far from Conklin as, they, as you can get, except for the Crescent filler, you know, they're hardly Conklin anymore. But this, you can actually use vintage Estabrook nibs in a modern Estabrook pen. Yeah, I think that's quite exciting. What? Um, so the the old Estabrook nibs, they're significantly smaller than a number six size, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. It would it probably would look a little unusual, but the fact is though, like because the thing is, a lot of people bought them in big numbers because they were steel. Yeah, and, and they, they were, were relatively inexpensive. Yeah, they at were the time. they were st- they were stainless steel and they were very inexpensive, and they would eventually wear out because they didn't have um, iridium tipping. They would have like a steel tipping, right? Like a big ball of it, but so eventually it would wear out, and they were very cheap. They were they were like the Lamies of the day, um, and you would have to if you use your pen for everything, which you would, you'd have to just replace the tip like you would replace a ballpoint refill. People would buy these huge boxes of them, and a lot of people nowadays still collect. Estabrook nibs, and they'll use them in their lever fill pens. But at least now, this offers an opportunity to use an Estabrook nib in a cartridge converter pen, that's, which yeah, is that's, which is that's actually really that's I think a, a really great innovation. And it it's a shame it kind of flew under the radar. Now I, I hope their pens are of good quality. I assume they're not of stellar <laughs> quality. They're they're not hugely expensive. That was, that was an odd place to put a pause. I was like, yeah, just, like just, I I assume they're not like. Well, I was going to say. I don't know if they're made in America. I don't know if they're made. I get the feeling they're probably made in China, but the nibs are Yovo nibs. I think they come with Yovo nibs, which is pretty nice. Um, they take a regular international converter. They look pretty decent. They look like a nice pen. That's, I think that's yeah. interesting because obviously, who I don't know who's making these, but um, I presume it's someone in the US because that's where the bulk of these vintage nibs are to be found and that's where they were sold because uh, I've never seen a vintage Esterbrook nib in Australia. But obviously someone identified that there was this need and um, a desire for there to be a good relatively easy to clean body for these vintage nibs and then they just made it happen so um i like that sort of entrepreneurship yeah i think that i think that's a a great thing and i they probably took a, a leaf out of the book of uh pelican because a lot of their nibs are backwards compatible too so if you take a modern pelican nib most of them can provide it's the same model are backwards compatible and vice versa so if you take a vintage Pelican 400, you can put it in like a 400 nib. You can put it in a modern M400. There are a few exceptions, but the threading has remained the same virtually unchanged this whole time. So that's quite nice as well. But it's it's quite nice that you, you have the choice now. You can either use an Estabrook, a modern Estabrook with a modern you know, Estabrook branded Yovo number six nib, or you can find one of the original Estabrook nibs, put an attachment on it and screw it in and use it as that as that yeah no that's that is uh, that is interesting and definitely flew under the radar um i want to go back to something that you said Di, about there not being a lot of innovation with bodies and kind of tie that in with um what we were saying about uh elegance and uh boring i am with you on that i think there was some very safe body choices um last year uh i don't think elegant um, is necessarily synonymous with uh, black and metallic. I I would kind of like to see no matte black stealth releases this year. Amen. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Word. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I, I would like some color risks and I would like some... Um, and funny, I just lent you a matte black VP. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah you, you did, but uh, that's, that's me seeing if, um, if Veep's uh, work work for me. Oh, uh, that's, that's uh, a little kind of pre-announcement. The way that Dai revisited her uh, Visconti Homo sapiens, I'm revisiting uh, Veep for a longer period of time to see if it agrees with me uh, the second time around. Why didn't agree with you to begin with? I didn't like the clip being where I put my fingers, um, but I am open to reconsidering that because I haven't really spent more than 10 minutes with one and it might just be like an immediate reaction thing. I predict that once you get used to it, it will become your favourite work pen. Okay. It is my favourite work pen. It's like an oblique nib. Uh, some people are like, oh, I couldn't stand it. I, I took I took one look at it and I couldn't stand using it. And then I'm like, well, how long did you write with it? Oh, a few lines. Well, just persevere. If you really want to, like if you really like that pen and the only nib option is an oblique nib, just persevere. And because I, when I first used an oblique nib, my first oblique nib was an oblique triple broad. But I really wanted it because it was a triple broad. <laughs> I was determined to make it work. And now I can write with an oblique nib. Um, because that, you know your your hand gets used to it. And, you know our, our brains are pretty adaptive. So yeah. there's an element of learning to use your tools as well as tools being naturally easy to use. And like both oh, of those come in. Yeah, yeah, it is it is an odd sort of positioning for a clip. But you know if you can, uh, it's kind of like maybe it's like multifocal glasses. Like it, at first it's really strange. Like I, I've just got multifocal glasses. Like for the first while I was dizzy. It was really strange. I was having to learn to sort of tilt my head at different angles and it was very, very odd, but now it's instinctive. Like, I uh, think, yeah. I think like motif multifocals, the, um, advantage, the unique advantage of the VP surpasses any learning curve that you need to get over to get used to using it just because it's the most convenient one handed click mechanism that you can find in a fountain pen. Um, and once you're used to that convenience, then there's really no going back. Yeah. Well, I will, I will spend a significant amount of time with it and uh, we'll see. We'll We're not trying to sway you one way or the other. <laughs> I was going to say it's got good broadened stub nibs as well. If yeah. I believe, um, I believe Mel from Melbourne, um, who also appears on the show every now and then. I'm um, recently got a stub for it, and she is. She's a VP connoisseur. Yeah, and she is normally uh, the fine nib chick, uh, but is uh, quite like the stub from uh, from what I've heard. Um, well, well, you mentioned a prediction, uh, Di. Well, do you have a Do you have any other predictions for the year for the pen and pen market or the community? Um, this is both a prediction and also, I guess, a hope. Um, so recently, I think it was Leo who showed us a video of um, a Japanese, uh, no, sorry, a Chinese-made plunger filler that was based on pen the BBS. Conid, a, a pen BBS demonstrator that um, has a that basically copies the Conid plunger filling system, um, and this is the filling system that allows you to get basically a hundred percent draw of ink into the barrel. Um, and I believe it's patented, so I don't know how they. Um, there's a tweak to it. it. There's, a, there's a minor tweak to it. It's uh, not the same filling mechanism, but it looks pretty similar. 
Um, and you can get a really good amount of ink into the barrel. It's a parody of it. I think the interesting part, though, is that you can get a really good array of nibs into yeah. it as yeah. well. Yeah, that was the cool bit. They stuck, I think, a pelican nib into the body, a Mont Blanc nib into the body. I saw a platinum nib, a sailor nib. Uh, it all yeah. fit. Yeah. I think they put a cross nib, a, a sailor cross nib. I think they put in it as well. Yeah. Whereas Conid, um, the you know the other kind of possessors of this filling mechanism, is a little coy about. Uh, well, now anyway, they're a little coy about what nibs will fit in their pens. Um, yeah, I believe you have to uh, send your nib in, and they will. I I don't even think they do that. They anymore, don't. Okay. Um, because yeah, I think they've they've been working. I I know. They now are getting Conid branded nibs and they're looking to move on their old stock of Bock branded nibs. So kind of, um, you know, just uh, have a more streamlined branding, have a, have a stronger personal brand, which, which I think will, will do better for them. But yeah, they're, they're less, they trade less on the idea that you can put other nibs. Which is there. a shame. Um, but my prediction is, or my hope is that, well, you know that, um, so Chinese made pens have this reputation of being uh, cheap, disposable um, and, um, you know, very lazy in terms of coming up with their own innovations. I would like to see them doing more of these type of tweaks on um, innovative mechanisms. So whether it's um, like lever fillers, um, crescent fillers, plunger fillers, you know, not just your usual everyday sort of a body. We've seen them do um, interesting inexpensive celluloids now and come within a fairly decent QR sort of um, space with their nibs. But I think now it's good to see them sort of branching out a little bit in terms of making things that are really worth getting excited about and are a little bit more expensive. Yeah. I, I think people, um, and, and this is like coming at it from uh, like guitars and stuff that I previously bought. There, there is like the very common idea that something that is Chinese made is not, is not good. But I think what they've found is that there's a guitar brand um, called Hofner. And they, for those of you that, um, uh, they're the originators of the Beatle bass, the kind of violin looking style bass. And they bought a Chinese factory to make their new um, Chinese made basses. But they bought the factory and installed their own, their, their own staff to teach and um, everything. And their Chinese made basses are pretty great like i put them above a lot of the lower end american made bases and it's really a question of what gets made in china is what you teach them how to make and what you kind of entrench there if you're cutting costs and cutting corners by going there then that's what you're going to get in terms of your product but if you're going there and still investing and making trying to make a high quality product then you will get a high quality product so I've actually read in a couple of places recently um, that a lot of the Mont Blanc individual pieces are now all made in China um, and assembled in Germany. It's been across a number of different sources that I've seen that um, definitely pop up more and more in the new year. 
So I don't, I can't verify that. And I've asked around to a couple of other people in the know and the general speculation is that uh, the individual parts are made in China and still assembled in Germany. That doesn't surprise me at all. Um, me neither. Like, because I, I know that, so before the 80s, China was making pretty good like watches and pens for their domestic market. So that knowledge and the machinery and the tools, it's already there. It's just that, you know, um, the domestic market was used to things that were cheap. And so they made things that were cheap to meet that demand. And now that they're able to realize that there is an overseas market as well, they're manufacturing things for the international market as well. Fun fact, my extended family, so a lot of my aunts, um, all started off uh, working in a fountain pen factory. Hero? I don't know. Oh, okay. I couldn't <laughs> tell you what brand it was, um, but it was their first part-time job. What about you, Tev? Oh, oh are, you, um, are you done with your, your prediction for the year? Can I, can I le- uh, leverage off dice? Can I, yeah, yeah, sure, jump in. Because my prediction, it literally says it here, is that we will see more Chinese pens become more prominent in 2019. And we were starting to see this towards the back end of 18, mid to late 18. Mm-hmm. Um, I think around about mid-year we saw all of those celluloids, the very, very affordable celluloids. And then towards the end of the year, Pen BBS absolutely hit it huge um opus 88 uh, taiwan sort of mm. chinese mm. sort of chinese um, maybe don't say that <laughs> sort of yeah, i said the, sort they of probably won't yeah mm. but um mm. it's uh, so we're seeing a lot of the chinese and i would even even classify taiwan brands in there as well become a lot more prominent towards the back end of last year and i um expect to see them become uh, even bigger in the in 2019 for a couple of reasons. One, affordability. Um, I think affordability of fountain pens as a whole is getting ridiculous. It's very, very expensive. Um, and everything else that comes out is just more and more expensive to the point where I look at something and I go, ugh, really? Really? Like nowadays, if you look at uh, like a special edition uh, take a special edition sailor starting price for that is about 400 bucks yeah uh, you think uh, we're due for a correction yeah like in the market yeah so i i'm expecting um the chinese brands to be more prominent mainly because of the affordability factor um and it, it, yeah and I, I i welcome that actually um the one other hope i have not a prediction but a hope and maybe a prediction but um 2019 please 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 we went overboard with sheen in 2018 just stop stop with those stupid ridiculous over sheening inks the inks which are you know blah 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 blue but all right red and clog up every single freaking pen you can't clean it out of a crevice unless you take it apart chuck it into an ultrasonic cleaner just stop with them already because do you know how many complaints you've seen of people going oh i put you know nitrogen blue nitrogen what nitrogen Nitrogen oxygen blue, whatever it's, what's it called? I put nitrogen royal blue. I put nitrogen royal blue into a pen and now it's not working because I left it for two days and I, I didn't wonder use why. It. And oh my god, why is it not blue? Because it writes out red. Yeah, yeah, over Sheen. I, I'm over Sheen. I don't think we've hit peak Sheen yet. I, I think, think we have to we're, hit we're peak Sheen. We, 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 we need more of less Sheen and more 
glitter. That's what we need. No, glitter, glitter was ridiculous. very 2017. I thought I, we hit peak Sheen at Emilio Estevez, but that's me. I, I have to say, I, 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 I agree. Sheen is, it's pretty if you're using it for some kind of artwork, but. It's not functional. You can't run your hand over it. Like, even if, if you accidentally drop one bit of, like, wetness or water or any type of like moisture on a page that has a sheening ink it bleh. sheen is for instagram only really no, nice, nice royal blue is extremely troublesome uh, as, and as skull an and roses that n- yeah. other one the Actually, other ones from diamond skull and roses is less walden's smudgy. pond green walden's pond green like blue all, green. all of those I find diamond inks quite smudgy personally. I don't own any more. Diamond makes so many inks. It's uh, I, I, having I owned. Uh, I've got the Jellor Gemilang, which is that's the one that I can't pronounce. I've, I've also got Skull and Roses. I've also tried. Um, uh, there's another one. I forgot what it's called. Uh, November Rain, which is a sheeny green one. Which also looks red, so you wouldn't t- be able to tell that it's green. Um, uh, you, you could, you could. It's, it's not as ridiculous. In, in one particular slight angle at forty-two and a half yeah, degrees, yeah. with your pen slanted and the moon rising from the west, sure. Yeah, if you stand on one leg. In the case of shimmer, I like had to double filter my um, rouge hematite to get it red, uh, because before that it was. Gold with red particles, yeah, basically. Yeah, the the sheen is green. kind of like the flex yeah. of of um of, of inks. Really, it's 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 kind of got the Kardashian effect because the internet says oh, sheen is the best, and then everyone goes, "Oh, it must be the best." So I better get it. Yeah. Um, I really like Jalur Gamelan because it's a really nice color, and yes, it has sheen, but I don't care. It's a really nice color. What are your, your pitches for the year, Tav? Well, the thing I'm looking forward to is James Finnis is back. James Finnis? James Finnis is back. He's his equipment. He's, yeah, he's back. I, I've seen, um, he's posted a, photo, a few photos of his prototypes and they look elegant. He's, they've, he, you know, he's got the sort of... They're the, black and not matte. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. He's got the whole Model T thing going, yes, any color as long as it's black. But he, that's, I assume, just because they're the prototypes. He's wanted to test them out. And they will come in different colors. That being said, there's nothing wrong with a, a black pen. Like they've been making them in black for much longer than they've been making them in any other color. So, um, yeah, yeah. Sharon is pointing to her two black pens sitting on the on the desk. I here. was gonna interject and say they've been making them in black longer than they've been making them in yellow. Like to which I say, Parker do a fold Mandarin. But um, yeah, but I mean, they did make <laughs> Ebonite before that. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's what I'm looking for. I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to James Finnis. That's one thing. Um, I know it came out last year, but because I like to, I, I do like to buy local a lot of the time, I'm looking forward to Australia getting those new Lamy inks because one of them is Iron Gore. Dimmix already has ones? them, I think, now. Do they have them now? Oh, okay. must have been very recently because I, I checked recently and they didn't have them. This must is the gemstone been. line? Yeah, the gemstone line. Yeah. I wasn't Susan sure posted that they came in. The Oh, maybe it was. Maybe it's been in the past week. But I'm looking forward to trying those because one of them is Iron Gall. Which one is that? It's the Benito White. What color is it? It's blue black. Okay. Blue gray, I think. Blue gray. When, mm. when things show up on Instagram, I'm never sure if they've just been released or are coming out in six months. Yeah. Particularly in like the pen world. It's whether, been out for a while. Yeah. But, whether they're but, trying to build Australia. hype, you know. Or maybe it's already out in the EU, but will take four months before it reaches oh, Australia. Oh yeah, that's usually that's usually how it works. Um. I mean, 
I, I have to say, I'm not entirely sure that 2019 is going to be a year full of, you know, exciting growth in the fountain pen industry. I think we're going to see a lot of, but it's in a new color. Woohoo. And it's going to be like, well, and? That's what yeah, I'm seeing a lot of. of. Um, that, 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 um, that episode of The Simpsons where a new Malibu Stacy doll comes out and, you know, Lisa's trying to convince everyone it's the same doll, but she's got a new hat. Yep. And then um, Smithers just goes, but she's got a new hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, and people will love that. And um, sure, if you love the new color, that's that's great. It's just that's not my thing. I, yeah. I, like, I like innovation. I like interesting things. Unless it's a really, really unusual color, it's not really that great like i i loved that <laughs> did he say that to all the sailor collectors out there who literally <laughs> camp out okay. and collect the bucket loads of different sailor I feel like sailor LEs are like the jordans of like of that's the- why i said unless it's like a really unusual color but sometimes sailor. it's not even an unusual color have you seen their mushroom pen yeah, one mushroom it's pen? got a very ob- obscene mushroom on the nib and two it's um it's like cream and poop color. I'm not a huge oh. fan. It's of like an automatic um, color scheme generator just turned yeah. up these colors. Yeah. Well, I'm not a huge fan of the the two colors that have been announced for the the KOP. Yeah. Yeah. The orange not, and not the really turquoise color. I yeah. like the tr- the semi transparent ones. I'm not such a huge fan of the the opaque ones that yeah, they've yeah. that they've they look a bit Lego-y. Yeah. That's that's it. It's, it's like a big um, ABS plastic feel. Yeah, I, I mean that that is what it is. Like, yeah, it yeah, is yeah ABS definitely plastic, is what it is. Which is it, which is good because it's really durable. But at the same time, it's a king of pen. Do you really want it to be made out of that? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I kind of hope that the colour's been flattened by the photography, and that in life it will have more texture and depth to the it, resin. Uh, having seen those pens with those colours, just not the king of pens. It is just like yeah, that. It's, it's kind of like a Lego piece. It's got that same sort of f- flat. When I'm trying to get color. a sense of what a pen will look like, I, I skip past the vendor pictures, yeah. and I often go to review pictures where it's someone taking a picture of their pen, or like uh, on on a wooden desk in a like with a half open book or something, because I feel like yeah. I get a better sense of what it will end oh, up completely, looking like. Completely. Yeah. Um, but what I would like to see this year. I don't know if we will see it because it's not um, it's not easy to do. Is a return to older style materials. So I'd like to see a return of celluloid. I I don't. I'm not entirely convinced that the Chinese celluloids that burn um, one and see. Uh, I'm I'm not about to do that. I I, I but I, I have seen some of those pens and and you can. Yeah, I've smelled them. Like you, you can smell them, especially if it's newly made celluloid. They have a very distinctive camphor smell. Um, in fact, it's 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 almost like a little sort of it's it's. I kind of like whenever I I handle a celluloid pen, I just sort of hold it up to my nose and sniff it, and people are like, "What are you doing?" I was like, I'm "It's like sm- sniffing a texture." I'm smelling the celluloid, um, and it's 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 kind of like it's a it's a great smell. I love the smell. I've but I'd love to see the return to that, or at least things that are um, made well, like made by hand. So I've been looking at custom pen makers and they, they, they refer you to websites by like that, that make rod stock and stuff like that. So um, I think there's a UK website called the Turner's Workshop and they've got some gorgeous stuff. 
It's beautiful, beautiful things. Even some um, acrylic stuff that mimics Arco and Arco Verde. It's not the same, but it's very, very close. And it looks beautiful. Even the stuff that mimics Tibaldi Impero Celluloid. And it looks like it's all um, hand poured. It's all very, very well made. So it's so, acrylic that's made to mimic yeah, celluloid. Yeah, a lot of the time it's acrylic or, or some other type of plastic. But even that's so that's even if, if makers can't afford to go back to the old styles of celluloid or, or casein or ebonite or that sort of thing. But I'd love to see more manufacturers go back to um, celluloid, ebonite, casein, that sort of thing. I think the problem is a lot of manufacturers either don't have the know-how anymore or it's just not profitable. Yeah, that's why I'm saying I don't, ex- I don't expect to see it, but I'd love to see it. So even things like Monte Grappa you don't see a lot of ebonite feeds in their pens anymore because they're probably using up all of their stocks of ebonite feeds and most of them are now Chinese-made plastic feeds. And you can you can definitely tell they're, they're not very good feeds. They're not as luxuriously wet and even their nibs are not great. Well, that takes us to our recommendations section. Um, for those of you tuning in for the first time, this is where we recommend things that we like uh, that may or may not be fountain pen related. So um, how many of you guys have watched Deadwood? Uh, I am aware of it. You're aware of it. No I'm, one's I'm actually... I'm aware of it in the terms I, I am of aware Ian of it as well. Tav is aware of it. I'm aware of it and I've been told I should watch it. Yep. Now, it, it's, it's one of those shows that um, I, I feel is like the wire in that it seems like a lot of time investment, but for people that have invested the time, they're trying to tell you it is a good investment. The wire is from about 12 or so years ago on HBO. It's a, uh, a revisionist Western. So it's like a modern Western. It's incredibly foul mouthed and is this, is so this Deadwood, funny. Sorry. You said the wire is this Deadwood. This is Deadwood. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. This yeah. is this is Deadwood. Also Deadwood is the Western. The wire. Yeah. the wire is great, but I'm talking about Deadwood sure, sure. because um, after about eight years of um, rumours, David Milch, the creator of Deadwood, is coming back with a movie uh, that will, I think like a TV movie that will air on HBO, which is meant to continue Deadwood the series after it was um, very suddenly uh, cancelled by HBO. And, um, so now is the time if you've never watched Deadwood to catch yourselves up. I I can't even begin to tell you how fantastic Deadwood is guys. Just go on, um, YouTube, look up the clip on YouTube of, which is a compilation of the number of times they say the word cocksucker on Deadwood. It's like five minutes of people just saying the word cocksucker on Deadwood. Does it does it mesh with the accent well, or is that what is what is that about? Well, sometimes um, this character called Wu is saying it with like a Chinese accent, but um, mostly they're saying it with like a American accent. But um, it just gives you an idea of the fact that this is really irreverent period drama and uh, on one hand it's incredibly um like in the mud really dirty the characters are incredibly um down to earth but at the same time you have people speaking um in a really sort of elevated and intelligent and eccentric language which is meant to be like faux shakespearean 
and it really captures, I think, some of the baroqueness of people's uh, way of life and their thought of the period. Every time I watch it, I start finding myself speaking in that rhythm and the cadence and using a proliferation of swear words in my day-to-day speech um, for days on end after I've seen a few episodes and it's just like nothing else on TV. So um, I I had a Google and Deadwood is currently streaming on Stan if you're in Australia and in on Amazon Prime if you're in the US. That's where you can watch it. And how long of a commitment is this? Because as you know, I have commitment issues. So the thing about Deadwood is – Um, it gets going really quickly. So if you see the first episode and it's not to your taste, then don't continue to watch it. But if you like the first episode and um, it catches you, it's three seasons of, I think, 12 episodes each. Oh, that's no commitment whatsoever. Yeah, that's all right. Front front, front 12s. Exactly. No. So I'm going to carry on from there or do you? I just want to jump in real quick because I don't want to... I'm wondering how I'm going to block out the word cocksucker shit <laughs> uh i mean you could you could add a double you could add a double beep in there are, are we still, how do i add a beep are we still adult rated though yeah we are yeah, are we yeah, explicit yeah. right we, yeah, are. Yeah, we are um i i just want to jump in quickly because i don't want to finish the episode too seriously or on um a low note uh my rec is uh my rec is the app uh copwatch um, and it uh, was originally developed as an education program um, and an app. I'm just staring at your socks. What are they? Uh, they are, they are the flip flop socks. Uh, yeah, the Japanese tabi socks, where the the big toe is separate, and um, uh, and the uh, there's a geisha printed on them. Um, okay, carry on. These were, these were gifts. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so the app uh, Copwatch was developed uh, as an education program and app for the uh, Australian Aboriginal community um, originally. Um, I think it's a really useful app um, if you've been following uh, some recent... Uh, Police brutality issues. Yeah, some recent events in Sydney particularly. Um, the main thing is that I, th- I think it's really good, the website... Uh, at teaching you your legal rights and responsibilities for recording. And I think it's a really interesting app um, in that you can, with one button push, send an alert text and your location to three people um, and start recording. Um, Even without this app, um, I encourage you to enable cloud storage and auto-upload of saved videos to something like Google Drive. I think particularly with the way that the Australian government um, and, you know, a lot of governments actually are ramping up powers of surveillance and law enforcement. Uh, I think it's an interesting and important thing for you to have, not just for yourself, but for the way that uh, often marginalized groups are treated. So if you come across a situation that you think is questionable or could be questionable, just um, start recording. That's that's all I, I want to say uh, on the matter. Um, and I would like to pass it over to someone else uh, to not end on that note. I was going to carry on from uh, Diana because when she was talking about a three-season, 12-episode uh, commitment, sure. 12, 12 episode per season commitment. Um, so t- today we're recording on the 19th of January, 19th of January. Um, 
I had Christmas break for the first time in many years. I haven't had an actual um, break over Christmas since I think it was maybe 2015. So this year I had between the 22nd of December uh, off up until the 7th of January was my last day off. And during that particular period of time, I stayed at home and I watched a lot of Netflix and a lot of YouTube. Um, and even before then, I was watching um, a lot of uh, Asian drama, which I haven't done in such a long time. But um, the the thing that kicked it all off is now on Netflix, so I can recommend it rather than watching it with really, really crap subtitles on YouTube. It's, uh, it's a Chinese TV series called Ashes of Love. It's on Netflix. It's showing as trending and highly recommended for me every single time I turn on my Netflix. It is a dedication of 63 episodes at about 45 episodes per, uh, 45 minutes per episode. I watched it in three and a half days and I did not sleep. <laughs> I voluntarily gave up sleep to watch it. Uh, I watched it on YouTube and I watched it at 1.25 times speed just to get through it all. But um, I've since then rewatched it on Netflix with much better English subs. Um, it is a fantasy. It's a fantasy love story about bad parenting. It's ultimately a story about... One dad who screwed three girls and everything that has happened as a result of him screwing three girls. And all the mothers were terrible too. So it's not like you feel sorry for the mothers because the mothers were terrible mothers. I don't think there was a singular good parent in this entire series. So, so I it's like very to Chinese. I like to think of it as a story of really twisted romance in the second generation because your parents were just bad. Um, it's got beautiful graphics and... Please, if you've seen it, message me on uh, Instagram. I've had a number of discussions with um, podcast listeners already about this uh, because I spent all of Christmas re-watching this. I, I was so absorbed by it. Please message me, watch it, um, tell me what you think. You really get straight into it and message me if whether you're Team Phoenix or Team Dragon and if you're Team Phoenix, you're wrong. <laughs> you want to you wanna take it out for the episode, Tav? Um, so my recommendation, it's a bit of a self plug, but my, uh, acapella group Vox Canvas are going to be doing singing telegrams this year again, as we did last year. Um, so if you'd like us to send a quartet of singers to the, to a, well, to a romantic interest of yours, uh, with or without flowers and with or without handmade macaroons, feel free to book us. Um, you can find details on Facebook, on our Facebook page. That name is Vox Canvas. Is this only for people who are in the in Sydney? Yes, it will unfortunately only be in Sydney, but there will be a number of groups operating around Sydney. So if you would like uh, to, you know, if you would like for... Uh, for guys in, in suits to cheesily serenade somebody uh, at work and, and embarrass the heck out of them, feel free to book us for that because they won't forget it. It's like something out of a rom-com, isn't it? It, it? it is. It is. And it's it's great when they're at work and, and then, you know, you knock on the door and you've got a rose and they're like, and they're like oh, such and such, someone's here for you. And they, they come out they're like, oh, no. Oh no! What's he done? <laughs> oh no! And then you start singing. They're like, "Oh no, no, no! Get me out of here! Get me out of here!" 
and then they like they like grab them and make them stand in front of you. Ideally, have an inside person to record we, it. As we well. often do. We often do. Yeah, like if your uh, significant other has a particular workplace, like that has you know security requirements, give us their contact details, or at least try and get us in contact with them so that they can let us in. Or you know, if you have specific requirements, just let us know well in advance so that we can organize it with you. All right. Well, that uh, is the end of our first uh, episode of the year. Uh, thank you all for joining us. We're, um, you know, we're, we're going to keep going. I think we're, we're doing a back-to-back episode, but you, you'll find out next time. Thanks for joining us, Tev. Thank you for having me. Uh, thank you once again, Sharon. Thank you. Thanks, Sebastian, for um, oh, he's, he's, he's having a nap. Um, and thank you once again, Di. Uh, as uh, always, my name is Chuck Montano, and uh, until next time, listeners, uh, ink well. Past and future episodes of this podcast can be found at thenibsection.com and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hop onto iTunes, rate us, review us, recommend us to your friends. Want to share your thoughts, suggestions, feedback? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at thenibsection at gmail.com. You can also comment at us on the Nib Section Facebook page or at the Nib Section on Twitter and Instagram. The Nib Section is the official podcast of Fountain Pens Oceania, and our producers this episode were Chuck Montano, Sharon Zai, Diana Dai. Recording and editing was done by Diana Dai. Our music was composed by Michael Pierce. Our logo was designed by Will H. Smith with artwork by Melissa Graff. Thanks for listening. <laughs>